for Wansie Day. It is. And I'm going to state that with conviction. And though yesterday was that. And even though yesterday went very, very poorly for him. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer... Daily shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. Athletics 9, Pirates 5. The less spoken about the overall outcome or losing 2 of 3 to an Oakland team that's being compared historically only to the 1904 Washington Senators in terms of the quality of their start to date. Yeah, the better, huh? Man, that's why with baseball, you just can't predict anything. As Jim Leland used to say, your momentum begins and ends with your next day's pitcher. There's no such thing as feeling good, developing a vibe. It doesn't matter. Because if your pitcher walks off the mound, as Rowanzi did yesterday after recording one out, through Oakland's first nine batters. Six hits, two walks. And seven runs he'd be charged with. Nothing else matters. However good Kutch is feeling or the kind of role that Kid Bryan is on, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It just, poof, just gone like that. So what I was left with, more than anything, leaving that stadium yesterday, was the sense that the longer-term stuff still does matter, very much so, and that the hardest thing to acquire in baseball, but especially for the lower revenue franchises, is starting pitching. You will not ever, until there's a salary cap in the majors, see the Pirates compete on the open market for starting pitching, not for elite starting pitching, not for top-end stuff, maybe not even for top three type starters because of the price tags. It's so precious, so rare, and just so aggressively pursued by the teams that do have the local TV money that, in all honesty, I wouldn't blame the Pirates. Even if, you know, Bob Nutting opened up his wallet and had the payroll up at 115, 120, you still wouldn't be pursuing those guys. So the ones that you have already, the ones that are here that come from the draft or maybe even, you know, smart trades, or as is the case with Rwanzi through the international market, man, you got to make the most of them. And they're not doing that with this young man. I am not here to absolve him. I really like him. I feel like I've gotten to know him as well as I've gotten to know anyone in that clubhouse. I respect him. And I happen to believe on a personal level that he is currently driving himself completely nuts in trying to get right. And he's confused. And he's erratic. I'm not just talking about his command or his production. I'm talking about just the way he's thinking, the way he's behaving. He wants just to automatically 
be Rowanzi again. He wants it to be Rowanzi day. He wants everybody to be looking forward to his start, no matter what level of the system he was pitching at. Remember that? That was fun stuff. But now, here we are now, where when I asked Derek Shelton after the game, what's next for Rowanzi? Listen to the first three words of his response. What's next for Rwanda? I don't know. I mean, learning experience here, we got to uh, we got to sit down and talk about it because, you know, we go 0-2 to the first hitter and then we walk him and then we don't execute with two strikes. So, you know, we got to look at the breaking ball just didn't execute today. I don't know. I'm not blaming Shelton for that. I No problem with him being candid. No problem with anyone being candid in an answer. But that's a heck of a thing. Look, just a few days ago out in Seattle, Rwanzi was told he's going to the bullpen. That's just how it's going to be. Vince Velasquez is back. Luis Ortiz is staying in the rotation, and you're going to go to the pen. Okay? Vince tries to pitch. It goes very poorly. Vince gets hurt again. Vince is out for the foreseeable future. Ortiz stays in. Rwanzi stays in. And they made the decision. I was there, remember, in Seattle? They made the decision right there on the spot. They didn't have some kind of, you know, big, long, extended meetings or whatever. They made it right then and there. That's it. Ruanzi's going back in. Were they thinking of the player first and foremost? Were they thinking that's what was best to get him back on track? Or were they thinking, this guy's already here. Let's give him another shot, maybe something holistic. Maybe it's something that's a whole lot more cynical than that. Maybe they weren't ready to bring up Quinn Priester because of Super 2 arbitration. And I know that's a touchy subject, certainly it is with them. But hey, you know, it's not like there isn't ample precedent for the Pirates prioritizing saving a few bucks several years down the road over actual baseball matters. Is Priester ready? I mean, he's had some good starts, mostly good starts lately for Indianapolis. He had kind of a eh, start yesterday. But where is it decreed that the player who gets promoted has to have this grand royal coronation after this phenomenal run of success? As I've been saying for a while now, Regarding Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez, if they're needed, they're needed. They're not going to come up here and collapse. If you tell them, hey, we just need you for a couple of starts or a week or two or whatever it is. Oh, no. Oh, no. What if they wilt like little flowers? I say this with no joy, but they can't just keep running Rwanzi out there. They need to put him first. Every day needs to become Rowanzi Day for this organization. This is an asset that can't go to waste. Said the same thing about Mitch Keller. Said the same sort of stuff about several pitchers beforehand, all of whom went on to do really, really well once they got to other organizations. If the pressure wasn't on before, it sure better be now. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street 
from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800 degree stone and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit projectchildsafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. comes from Dave who says, DK, we just lost a series to the worst team in baseball by far at home and by another large spread. When will Pirates management get serious about winning and bring up some of our emerging prospects from AAA? We pay good money to go to PNC Park. Don't we deserve the best that the Pirates can offer? Dave, you make a couple of points that match points I've been making for a while now, but I'm glad you brought this up because I do want to underscore the difference between something that you're pointing out and something that I just don't agree with at all when I make mine. The Pirates aren't a country music show. They don't owe a certain level of entertainment to the fans. They're a sports team. Their intrinsic mission, I'm not saying that they achieve this, is to win. Their result, they hope, with hard work, is for the winning to bring increased revenues. But it's a different, it's a different field. So you can't think of it as, I paid my money. I expect to see so-and-so on lead guitar, so-and-so on bass, and so-and-so on drums. It's just not how sports work, and it's not a principle that applies to sports. So to make my stance clearer, when I'm advocating for Andy Rodriguez or Henry Davis or Quinn Priester to come up to Pittsburgh in the current setting, the current environment, I'm doing so because I feel that the current team could use a little bit of help and that not everything under the baseball sun has to follow the path anointed by the gods for a player to get promoted. There have been a lot of old school things that have been done away with over the last 10, 20 years in baseball. This is not one of them. This is still there. The idea that, you know, the player has to go through the big emotional scene in the AAA locker room and the manager gets to call him into the office and play a joke on him and tell him that he's actually being, I don't know, tasked with sweeping the floors, but you're going to do it in Pittsburgh, son. And there's this big emotional scene and the social media person is there recording it all. And we get all weepy eyed as if we didn't just see seven of those with other teams earlier in the day. 
they got to let this stuff go. Ben Charrington takes a lot of pride in being someone who thinks outside the box and acts outside the box. This thing is still very much part of his process. There's no edict that a player has to have 10 consecutive spectacular starts, you know, 50, 75 consecutive awesome at-bats. The major league team counts too. The major league team's games in early June count too, particularly when they're only a game and a half out of first place, which, by the way, the Pirates still are at 32 and 29. There's nothing terrible that can happen to this player, this prospect that you bring up. Level with them. Do it just like you did with Rowanzi and O'Neill Cruz a couple years ago at the end of the season. They knew that wasn't it. They knew they weren't being called up to the majors for good. It was a reward for the season that they'd had in the minors. It was a nod of respect. It was letting them kind of get the lay of the land a little bit so things wouldn't floor them when they did make it up. That's what I've been getting at. That's been my point. It hasn't been, let's give everybody the biggest bang for their buck or we owe it to the fans or whatever. No, man, no. You still owe it to the organization to do the right thing by the young player, as I underscored with the opening segment regarding Rowanzi. I'd just like to see some additional flexibility therein. Oh, and you know what else? If that prospect comes up and does spectacularly well, and of course I could point to Brian Reynolds, because when he arrived, he was never going back. He would say so at the time, off the record. He wasn't going back. He was going to hit. He was going to hit his way into a permanent status where they could never even manufacture one of those goofy fake excuses to send him back. But is that a bad thing? Did Reynolds turn out to be a bad thing? No. A blessing for the franchise. A blessing beyond words. Especially since they went and took the further initiative to sign him to a long-term contract. They've got themselves a very good player for a lot of years. In part because they went about that initial process properly. That happened under Neil Huntington, to be clear. That was 2019. So, okay, you know, bring him up. Let him help out. You know, there is, look, I'm not being cold-blooded here. I'm at the game, and I'm looking around at the crowd, and, you know, there's Josh Palacios coming up with bases loaded and two outs, and all you're doing is wondering whether or not he's going to go down swinging or looking. And it turns out he went down... Strikes two and three were two of the most grotesque major league swings you'll ever see. Dude's got no business being in the majors. I don't care that he ran into one the other night. If that plate appearance had gone to Davis or Rodriguez, you'd have a much greater chance, not a 100% chance, but a much greater chance of winning the game that you're playing. That matters. That matters. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.